That song, she just sang it, now it's on the app. They'll be on the app right away. Every song that sang, every worship service is added to those three million minutes. They're adding more and more every single chunk. I could hear that song 20 times in a row. Now I can. So sweet. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. We love what you're doing in our midst. We love, Lord, this season that we're in. We ask for the grace of heaven to rest upon us that you would visit us individually, every need, every marriage, every relationship, and that you would visit us corporately, that we would lean into this narrative of what you're emphasizing more and more, and that we would get all that we can from you, Holy Spirit, in this season. Help us, teach us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm gonna jump in and start. Most of you are aware of this, a few of you that are new with us, We've just gone with many other people across America and the earth actually been on a 40-day fast and various types of fast for six weeks now. It just ended. And then we ended with last weekend with Chris Reed coming. And between the six weeks, the 40 days, and last weekend, it is clear that we have shifted and we're in a new season in the Lord. And we're wanting to process that a number of things have come to light that are very encouraging and the Lord's been helping us. And so this Friday, I mean, two days ago, Friday, I took about an hour and get, put together a bunch of the storyline of what I think is happening. I only touched a little bit of it, but an hour's worth. Not a teaching, but just a stringing together stories to give our spiritual family a chance to interpret some of the things that I'm observing and others are observing more and more and more. And so I have that uh, on, on our website, it's called uh, Observations. We're in a new season, and I'm highlighting uh, Luke 4.18, the word that Chris Reed gave us, and, we, and he'll talk about that in a few moments. That's a key thing, but this last six weeks, yay, seven weeks, last weekend, so many encouraging so many things, things that are surprising us. Yeah. So many things are happening, and so we're gonna attempt this morning to cover some of those things. Again, Mike, the message that you gave just two days ago, Friday, is so important to us, and I wanna encourage you to listen to that message, and he has the handout on there to follow along with. Um, I'm reminded of a a quote from the movie Princess Bride, where, (laughs) I love that, I love that guy, where Inigo Montoya says, (sighs) he says something to the degree of, let me catch you up, there's too much, let me summarize. So this is our attempt at summarizing just some of the things that the Lord is highlighting. We, like Mike mentioned, on March 1st, entered into a 40-day fast. And the Holy Spirit was emphasizing to us some key passages that we were calling the family conversation, if you remember about six weeks or so ago. Among them was Revelation chapter 3. And this desire of Jesus, the bridegroom, who's knocking on the door of the church, knocking on the door of our hearts. And he's saying, open the door to me. I want to come in and dine with you. And I want to deliver you from this Laodicean, this lukewarm spirit, this spirit of apathy and busyness and fog that comes on our spiritual lives and quenches the joy of relationship and fellowship with the Godhead. It causes us to be blind toward one another and who we are in Christ. I mean, just many, many negative things. So we entered into this fast, and our, one of our main conversations in Christ to the Lord was, Lord, deliver us from this Laodicean spirit. A couple days into the fast, Mike has an encounter with the Lord in his office that he shared publicly. And in that encounter, he has an open vision and he sees a door open into the realm of glory. And this phrase comes to him that he shares with our spiritual family and he's call, the Lord's calling to us, speaking to us. He's saying, if you open the door to your heart, I will open to you the door of my glory. If you open the door to my heart, I will open the door to my glory. 
And so the Lord has emphasized that to us. And I am looking at that door as a leader here and as the pastor, lead pastor here, and I am seeing that not only are we to go there in conversation, and I think there will be uh, encounters more and more in the days ahead, but there are things the Lord wants to release through that open door to this spiritual family that are profound and necessary for the days ahead and what is coming. I'm going to comment on this, this Revelation 3, the Jesus' message to the Laodicean church. I believe that. Many others believe it as well. All around the world, this is a primary message the Lord is speaking to his church. I'm talking globally, not just America, not just Kansas City. He's saying, open the door of your heart. I want to dine with you. I want you to get gold that I have available to you. So the six weeks... Every week in our leadership meetings and our all our worship leader meetings and our staff meetings, our Friday night meetings, Sunday, we unpack that and had conversations on, on this uh, Zoom call that you do on Wednesday morning. The podcast is fantastic. A lot of insight has come on Revelation 3. And two weeks ago, I shared the, the open vision that I've had. I've only had two open visions in 50 years where I actually saw something, eyes open on the wall like a movie screen. And, and I shared that two weeks ago on Sunday morning. And it talked about, I think I called the message, buying gold, because that's what Jesus said in Revelation 3, buy gold from me. And I connected it. So we're not gonna go into that, but for those, those of you that said, now what, what was that? Two weeks ago, it's on the, on the website. You can follow with that if you want to. I have good news for you. Acts 2 says that the young men see visions. Mike. I've been having a lot this of dreams. Means that you're a young man. I've been man. having a lot of dreams. No, 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 no. You're only beginning. Wait a second. I had a vision. You're the guy with the dreams. I'm, so I'm old and you're young. That's right. That means I'm the boss now. But <laughs> that means you get oh, to yeah. mix up body parts when you give announcements and nobody minds. Hey, 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 look. Y'all laughing about the ovary thing. Listen. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking. Yeah, right. Y'all laughing about the ovary thing. The Lord's going to give an ovary to someone, and then we're going to be crying because God loves to heal people and restore that which has been lost. And in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would touch... If a woman needs an ovary, that you would touch her in the name of Jesus on the web stream or in this room, and that you would heal, Lord, that which you love, and that that woman would have many children in the name of Jesus. You know, it's just like the Lord for that to, like, literally happen. Yeah. No, for real. For real. Yeah, I think but it just, will. We're just being human and, goof and messing up, but the Lord says, oh, watch this. Watch yeah. this. The Lord's keeping me very humble. Good. Well, in this conversation of the upper room, this John 13 to 17, again, the gold refining in the fire, the Lord was emphasizing his biblical vision for unity, spiritual unity. And when Jesus prays in John 17, he is insistent that the body of Christ is going to come into a spirit of unity. That's a prayer that the Father is going to answer because Jesus prayed it. And that unity has far-reaching implications, but two quick points. We've been whispering about Isaiah 19, the restoration of Ishmael and Isaac, and what the Lord emphasizes in Isaiah 19, a unity that is so powerful and profound that it brings this spirit of oneness and unity and power that's going to touch the Middle East, that's going to touch Jews and Arabs and the family of Abraham is going to be restored. And secondly, in our own nation, we have such a history of racial strife and tension. It's not just a history. It's ongoing. And during the fast, we we're emphasizing something that we started many years ago called the Malachi Project. The Malachi Project highlights black men and women of the faith who have pioneered, who have broken through something in the spirit and many, many, many of those saints, we are highlighting them on Friday nights, and that needs to be strong in our narrative as well as the Lord is bringing unity because this congregation and what the Lord wants to do in the nations and what the Lord wants to do in the church in Kansas City isn't this group or that group. It is black, white, many tribes, tongues, nations. The Lord is bringing together his spiritual family for such a time as this. And we cannot go forward without one another. 
We can't just think, well, the Lord's going to come here, but we don't really care if he moves on the church down there. We can't think that anymore. That's not the way forward for this people and what the Lord is doing in this hour. And so we need to be contending for this and highlighting this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to comment on this. On every Friday night, the last six or seven weeks, we've taken a three to five minute segment to tell the story of one of God's anointed servants uh, in, in the black community that have impacted the body of Christ. And the, what's the word? Sad, embarrassed, ridiculous, something, something. Those Put about 10 of those words in there. Most of the white believers here were unaware of these remarkably anointed servants of the Lord uh, because they're black and not in the white storyline thousands saved and healed and many lights were going on saying it's not okay that we're not in the same story together yes. all together yes we've got to get in the same story because there's one head over the body of christ he's got a big family and there are many parts many members and the lord wants us all walking together in unity and power and celebrating and calling forth the giftings that we see in each other, not just our own gifting, we're really good at contending for that, but for the gifting and the fullness of those that are around us and down the road and across the city, et cetera, et cetera. Well, April 9th, April 9th comes, that's about 10 days ago on Friday, and we're highlighting that night in the Malachi Project, William Seymour who was one of the key fa uh, figures of the Azusa Street Revival. And it was the 115-year anniversary on that Friday. And William Seymour is here. And the Lord begins to connect us with Chris Reed that morning. And there's just this unfolding, staggering storyline. So talk to us about that morning, even with Chris. Oh, yeah. So we're finished the 40-day the, the fast on April 9th, 10 days ago on Friday. And uh, Chris comes to visit for the first time. I had met him about a month earlier in a Rick Joyner's context in, in Charlotte, North Carolina at a round table of leaders. And Rick told me, I told a lot of this on Friday night. I told him, so I'm not going to go to a ton of detail on it, but you can check in with that if, if you're interested in hearing that story. And he said, Mike, you're going to connect with this guy. The Lord's da-da-da-da. So uh, I asked him, I said, hey, uh, Chris, could you come? We have you know, six Friday nights we're meeting. I didn't tell them we were fasting. I just said, we're having a Friday night meetings. They were during the fast. Could you come sometime in March? You know, I was thinking early March. He goes, I can only come on April 9th. That's my first day, which was the final day of our fast, which ends up cool. That was six or eight weeks later. I go, okay, okay, because I asked him in February. And uh, so he shows up April 9th. And uh, we have a leadership meeting in the morning. And my idea is just to get, you know, a handful of leaders to know him a little bit, just his human story and how the Lord's touched him and what his family was like. And, and uh, as many of you were here Sunday and you were here last Friday, you saw the remarkable word of knowledge gift that the Lord has imparted to him and uses him. And, and what Isaac brought out uh, for this morning, the earlier service this morning, which I loved, and, and you'll probably say it again, that he probably he called out and we had five different meetings with him, some three public and two smaller leadership meetings. He probably called out 100, maybe 120, I don't know, I didn't count, different people and gave such detailed uh, information about their life by the Holy Spirit. And so if 100 get touched, we got about 4,000 people in our entire church family that call this their church family. That means almost everyone did not get touched directly, but it's still 100, but what I saw and what we witnessed is how many of us looked at this person getting called out, and we are so enjoying what's happening in their life. Yeah. It was remarkable. We all went, wow, we walked out amazing. Well, we didn't get a word, but wait, yeah, but my friend, I mean, it was a life-shifting word. We were laughing, we were crying, it was powerful, it was provoking, and one of the things that just struck my heart so powerfully was the way in which Jesus knows my friends better than I do. That's a great point, I love that. And that wasn't a pain point to me, that was a point of celebration, that he knows all of our stories, and people that I've known 10, 20 years 
The Lord is telling details through Chris, through this word of knowledge. Because he about doesn't know their, any of them. He knows none of them. About their life and their extended family and the promises of God over their life. And I'm sitting over here, you know, in the different meetings, crying and I'm laughing. And I am just so struck at how good of a friend Jesus is to us and how near he is and how much he is contending for us all because he's touching our friends and our families to come into the fullness of what he has for so us. So just give me 10 seconds on Romeo and Juliet right here on the Romeo front row. Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that was powerful. I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, write down your family, name after name, issue after issue. I mean, so many of us were touched by that, but that was one of a hundred. I mean, just... Your guys' family is so powerful and precious to who we are. And, you know, Juliet serves on our pastoral team here. And the family and Randy and their boys and their daughter. And, no, not you know, Randy. Romeo. Yeah, Romeo Kanha. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we've just, we've, knowing them and knowing their story, the journey that they've been on and coming here from California, how the Lord connected to the prophetic history and and just the different things and the the health battles and all those different things it was just so sweet and powerful and tender and and it just strikes you in a different way when it's people you know so i ask him in february after i meet him at rick joiners i say hey, can you come early march preferably on a friday night i can't come till april 9th it just so happens it's the last day of our fast which and the date april 9th becomes significant as the date April 18th today is significant. Those are the two days that the Lord highlighted that I talked about with a bit of detail on Friday night, which we're only going to barely touch this morning. So he comes our, our very first meeting on, on Friday morning, and, and I have, I've understand he has this word of knowledge ministry, but I wanted us to just to hear from his heart about his life, not minister to us per se, but just, hey, we want to get to know you. So he, he comes and he sits down and he goes, Oh, my goodness. He goes, on the way here this morning, I heard the, the uh, radio announcement that Prince Philip, you know, in the U.K., he died this morning. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, we heard that too. And he goes, I don't, this is really significant. And we're not understanding the significance that he's relating to. He says, 18 months ago, I have a, a, a time stamped on my phone. I took... I wrote the prophecy, and I, and I clicked it, you know, to where you can see the date in the prophecy. He goes, the Lord told me 18 months ago that when Prince Philip in England dies, it will be a significant day of shifting for the body of Christ. It's a riddle. And then he gives him a riddle uh, right after that. And it's like, how does that all that connect? He goes, well, here's the riddle the Lord gave me. He says that when the prince will pass, it will be 418 at last. And he goes... I don't get the riddle at all, but I know it matters today on this Friday morning, on this April 9th, when the prince will pass 418 at last. It will be 418 at last. And he goes, does that mean anything to you? And what he doesn't know is that 31 years ago, and again, I spent 20 minutes on this Friday, so I'm gonna take two minutes on it now without telling you the details. 20, 31 years ago on April 18th, 418 today, 31 years ago, the Lord spoke in a dramatic way where thousands of people were a part of this story and witnessed it and were touched by it, where the Lord said that he was going to establish Luke 418, and he spoke it in a dramatic way on April, which is 418, and he spoke it at 418 in the afternoon in a way, again, it take 20 minutes to tell the story, I don't want to go into that. But many people across America were watching that story, and they were blown away by it. He doesn't know that story, because that was something we were talking about 31 years ago. And, that, and so he goes, 418, I go, it means Luke 418. And it has something to do with April 418. And he goes, I don't know that story, so I tell the story. And some of our team have never heard it, because again, it's a 31-year-old story, but it is remarkable. So... I am convinced that on that day, April 9th, at the end of that 40-day fast, Luke 4.18, in our world and many other people, is going to be highlighted by the Lord in a significant way, and it was a beginning point, because the riddle he got 18 months ago is that when the prince will pass, it will be 4.18 at last, and he goes, I don't even have a clue. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. It's so riddle-ish, but it was very clear to me. 
And so we tell that story, and then, uh, again, I, I encourage you to hear the thing from Friday night. It's, it's, on, the, it's on our website if you want to hear that story because it's, it's relevant. But I got emails from all around. I told a little bit of it. Uh, even that night, April 9th, and started getting emails from friends from the old days and going, wow, this is really real. We are entering a new season in the body of Christ that Luke 4.18 is representative of, and that's the famous verse. You all know the verse where Jesus went into the synagogue at Nazareth and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to anoint me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to liberate those that are oppressed, and on and on and on. And our goal isn't to unpack that passage right now, but it's to highlight that the Lord is saying, I am highlighting that. And when Rick, I mean, and when Chris Reed said, when I got that 18 months ago, when when the prince will pass, it will be 418 at last. It's like the Lord was sighing like a sigh, going, at last, it's the 418 season for wow. the body of Christ worldwide. At wow. last, we're inning in. Because it's always been true for 2,000 years. We've always been in that season in one way. But in an eschatological, which is a fancy word for end times, but in an end time way, an eschatological way, the Lord is moving, and we're declaring this, in a more heightened, specific, observable way, according to Luke 4.18, across the body of Christ. So this, it was a new season on April 9th. I mean, it really, something changed that. And then the five meetings we had and the way the Lord confirmed different things, it goes on and on and on. Yeah, I'm struck by, you know, Chris comes in, like Mike's saying, the meeting, gives the 4.18 word, and it was almost like everything that <laughs> happened after that over the weekend was to convince us to pay attention to the Lord's zeal for Luke 4.18 to manifest in the body of Christ. And I don't say that in any way to diminish the profoundly personal, powerful words that anyone you know, received, but there was a corporate word that he gave. It was Luke 4.18, and it goes back to this story of the Cains, Paul and Anna Cain, where there was the threefold confirmation of you know, 418, 418, 418, back in the 90s. And the Lord has this bizarre, strategic, poetic way of getting us to pay attention to scriptures that we wouldn't normally pay attention to. And the Lord was using Chris in that way all last weekend where he's talking about Luke 418. Then he gets up, he starts talking about Acts 2, Joel 2, Psalm 2. Then he comes here on Sunday morning and preaches on Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, the apostolic prayers. And he's not really in tune with our message and what we're about and what we've been talking about for 20, 30 years. And I'm asking him in between, I'm going, like, for real, like, you've got to be, like, listening to tons of our messages and da-da-da. He goes, I've listened to Growing in Prayer from Mike and, like, one other thing. Like, that's it. An interview with Paul Kane, yeah. And I'm going, this is remarkable. The Lord is sending us people. You know, I'm thinking of the gifts that he's sending us through Dan Bohai and Chris Reed. And there are many, many, many others that he will send and is sending. And many are sitting right here in these chairs right here and they're listening on the web stream as well. To get us to pay attention to what the Spirit is emphasizing right now. And I'm looking at this thread that the Lord's weaving together. The lukewarm church, the body of Christ, the Lord says, I am going to rescue you. And I'm going to get you into that upper room conversation with me to talk to me and, and, and relate to the Trinity and, and get in on what I'm talking about. And then I'm going to release my power and my anointing in Luke 4.18 because as much as you want to rid yourself of the lukewarm spirit, it's going to take the power and the anointing of the deliverer, Jesus, to get the church into the next season and get us positioned because that great harvest of souls is coming in the days ahead. Yeah, and there, <clears throat> there's so much to unpack. And, and our goal isn't to unpack it all in one meeting or two or three meetings in a row. Because as I said Friday night, I said, I can make about 10 observations as to what has happened and what has changed and what the Lord's doing over the last six weeks and, and ending with that weekend. I said, but in a, 10 years from now, we will see 25 implications because there's so many layers that unfold and unfold and unfold as time goes on. But we're just aware that we're in a new season. I don't mean IHOP. 
yes, us, here in this spirit and forerunner church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, our city, our nation. I'm talking about the earth, the body of Christ and the earth. We are in a new season in the Holy Spirit. And the phrases and the passages, again, that he said, most of you have been leaning into it for the last six or eight weeks, so you know. It's the Revelation 3, Jesus telling the Laodicean church, I'm gonna rescue you from a compromising spirit, a spirit of dullness. Psalm 2 where King David prophesied that there would be persecution even from the state governments and legislations against the word of God, Psalm 2. Acts 2, an increase of Holy Spirit power. Isaiah 19, that would be the one that would be the most unfamiliar with our larger body of Christ, although a number of us have been tracking with Isaiah 19 for some time. And I'll just give you just... 45 seconds on it, because we're going to spend a lot of time on it in the months and years ahead. Isaiah 19, very obscure passage to most people, but it won't be before long. Isaiah 19, I'll pull out one verse, verse 24, and you could miss it if you read it fast, that the Lord says, when all these things happen, his end time purposes, he is going to bring into profound unity, uh, it says, Israel, Egypt, and Assyria. And more folks today, most people go, what's Assyria? Well, it was the world power of Isaiah's day, 700 B.C. Assyria would represent 10 or 12 of the Middle Eastern countries right now today. Syria, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, you know, those kind of nations. The Lord is going to do a work in the days to come where he's going to take the Arab communities, the Middle East, uh, uh, Islamic nations, Egypt, the Persians in Iran and Israel and bring them into a profound unity together and the whole earth is gonna witness it. And the John 17, that they will be one as I and the Father are one, the epicenter of that reconciliation on a global stage is gonna be seen in the Middle East. God's plan is that Israel, unbelieving Israel, that God is gonna use Arab uh, people from an Arab heritage, Muslims nations, Egypt, Egypt, Arab, Islamic, Persian, he's going to cause them to reveal the God of Israel to unbelieving Israel. And unbelieving Israel will love them. And they will be one like the Father and the Son, and the whole earth is going to be shocked because what's happening is that the family of Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael, Esau and Jacob, all their family lines, they're going to be healed on a global stage for the whole body of Christ. I mean, in America, the intense racial conflict with black and white. In other places, it's in Asia, different groups, Asia and Africa, different places in Africa. Every, every uh, part of the earth has its most intense. Nothing in history is as intense as the children of the sons of Ishmael and Isaac Arabs, Egyptians, and Jews in this locked-in war of hatred for 4,000 years. No racial conflict is more intense than that one or longer. And yet that is the one the Lord is going to use, and he's going to take the body of Christ, and we're all going to be in the story together in a way we'll tell some other time. But Isaiah 19 is a critical part of, of John 17. Imagine God healing the family of Abraham. I mean, Ishmael and Isaac and Jacob and Esau, their children, revealing the God of Israel to Israel, to unbelieving Israel, and then they become best friends, and the whole earth is shocked at it. And we're all a part of that story, but that's too much to cover in a little session like this, but we're going to unpack that one. So let's just take a minute. <sighs> okay. I feel, <clears throat> and maybe some of you feel, like we're drinking from a fire hose. Well, here's the problem. He the is fire, a fire hose. It's not even a... There's so many layers to these stories. I know. But we're in it together, and we got time to unpack it. Yeah. But it will take weeks and weeks and months and months. Because while we're doing it, we want to be walking out the Sermon on the Mount with each other, winning our neighbors to the Lord, raising godly families, discipling new believers, building healthy churches. We're doing all of that in the context of these broader storylines that are, that are unfolding. And we're doing it with many other believers because one of the words the Lord highlighted is he's raising up an international family of affection that is not this group or that group. It's all of us together moving forward. It's, it's a beautiful. beautiful time of history to be alive, although it's the most difficult, challenging time of history the years ahead, but it will be the most dynamic, glorious time in the spirit, the time ahead. 
So wherever the Lord has you, this is a pastoral point for us individually. Wherever the Lord has you, wherever the grace of the Lord is touching your life, sometimes that grace is a, is a challenging part of our life that's coming to the surface. Because when the Spirit begins to move on a people, all sorts of things come to the surface. And so some of you might be feeling the fog of, I'm trying to track with Isaiah 19 and John 17 and Psalm 2 and Luke 4, 18. What is going on right now? All I know is my family is falling apart and my kids don't know God. And so am I even a part of the family, the spiritual family? Am I even a part of what the Lord is doing? And I wanna assure you that you are. Because when the Lord drops the rock, so to speak, into the pond, it creates waves, things come to the surface, people get pushed in, people get pushed out. I mean, that's the way it is. And we're entering, like Mike is saying, into this unique season where the Lord has indicated we are on the on-ramp or the off-ramp or whatever you want to call it into a new trajectory as a spiritual family. And I want to urge you to not count yourself out. I want to urge you to not disqualify yourself, not because of something that the Lord is saying, but just you have a broken heart. You just, you feel strained. You feel like, oh, my life's a wreck. I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm not even a part of what the Lord is doing right now. I want to say no to that. That is a lie of the enemy that is trying to take you out. You are a part of the family. You are in the story. And the Lord is going to, in his own way, bring all of us into participating with this story. So you don't have to get all the messages and they don't have to be all touching your heart at the same time. I wanna encourage you, wherever you're at, just say yes to the grace of God. Maybe he still has you back in Revelation 3 and lukewarmness and walking through the pain and the discomfort or the arguing with God about that. Just stay there. Maybe you're in Psalm 2, just stay there. Maybe you're concerned over your life, just stay there. Stay where the Lord has you. Get friends in the fight, in the conversation with you, and see what the Lord does as he releases his grace to all of us, both individually and corporately. One thing I'm very, very aware of is that the enemy is raging and attacking the body of Christ. I, I, I mean, this... You know, how do I know 2,000 years, the whole history? But I believe it's happening on a global level like no other time in history. There are more godly people. Their marriages are being attacked. Their children are being attacked. Their ministries, their businesses. You know, just my interaction with leaders in different streams, almost all of them are saying the same thing. We've never seen such an intensity as this. Our people are. Our more children of godly families are getting hit hard. Businesses hit hard. Ministries hit hard. But I want to assure you this, that the enemy is ramping up his rage and attack, but he's going to fall right into the Lord's trap. Here's the Lord's ambush. Yeah. The Lord's going to turn this whole thing around, and he's going to show uh, the earth the trophy case of the, the trophy case is the he's making the body of Christ in the earth trophies of grace that the unbelieving nations I mean a billion souls are coming in the great end time harvest yeah. they're going to look at our lives and the recovery when against all odds we could not recover in any of those ten areas whether it's a healing a marriage a child a finance a on and on and on an area of, that you're stuck there's going to be sudden supernatural reversals where the people that have been delivered they're not strutting, hey, I'm the man of God, I'm the woman with power. They're going, oh, I'm liberated, but I'm so grateful. I didn't deserve to get liberated. There's no way this could happen. And he's going to show the earth the trophy of the grace of God in restored lives and families. Come on. So when you're in the process of the, the hit and the attack and the restoration isn't there, just hang in there. Hang in there. This story it's a 50-chapter book. You're on chapter 3. You're on chapter 6. You're on chapter 8. Yeah, but my children, they're on chapter 2. There's many chapters. My business, my ministry, my heart in God. I've never been so stuck. That's one chapter you're in right now. The book is not over because Jesus is smiling. He goes, watch this. I'm going to shock the nations by the rescue of the body of Christ and make them humble servants that bring the nations in. Luke 4.18.
whenever the Lord begins to move in an unusual way, and I think we're headed more and more into that season. Obviously, last weekend was very unusual compared to what I'm normally used to. Whenever the Lord does that, he's touching the grace on a particular community in connection to their assignment. What do I mean by that? I mean that the particular assignment that the Lord has given this spiritual family is to keep and maintain a 24-hour prayer sanctuary where we minister to the heart of God and we agree with his purposes that all of these things that are in the Bible would be unleashed on the body of Christ and unleashed on the nations of the earth. And so I wanna encourage us that in times, unusual times where the spirit begins to move, that we not get into a heart posture of just kind of, well, I guess it's coming, I guess it's here, and we just kind of sit back. But no, we lean into the grace of God around our primary assignment, though we have secondary, tertiary, whatever assignments, but that we lean into our primary assignment, which as a people, corporately, is to contend in the place of prayer. So when I hear Luke 4.18, and the prince shall pass, and the Anna Cain, and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, our heart needs to lean into that and go, Lord, release the spirit of the sovereign Lord. You have anointed Jesus for such a time as this. You've anointed the body of Christ, and he stands as the anointed one over this city and over the body of Christ in the nations, and he is going to release the power on the gospel, the power for healing, the power to set captives free, the power to bring liberty, the power to restore that which the enemy has stolen, and that we as a people... As things continue to escalate, as the anointing increases, which it will, that we lean into the place of prayer because that is the corporate grace upon the spiritual family to contend for these things before him. Yeah, and that's a corporate grace on us. Many people in this spiritual family, this community, they're saying, that's not my number one thing. And I agree with that because many of you, you have a primary assignment and it isn't the prayer room, but the fact that God's put you here corporately, it is one of our primary assignments. So we all do a little bit of help on that. Not everyone doesn't make that their number one thing, but everyone helps a little bit on it. And not necessarily everyone, but most people, because some people are in a season where it just doesn't work at all. And then there's a smaller number. There's five or 600. This is their occupation. They're on the IHOP staff. This is their main assignment, though not their only one. But our spiritual family, our church family here, we're not, we don't believe that is the number one assignment of every individual. But you can be a part of it, and you can celebrate and say, Lord, this is good. And we can walk out our specific assignments together corporately in a family spirit. Because some were asking, you know, what do I do after last weekend? Wow. That was some unusual words of knowledge and powerful. It was exciting. Now what? And the answer is, is that we do our individual and corporate assignment before the Lord. The reason that he releases a spirit of prophecy to encourage us and to give us words that only God knows is so that we take our assignment seriously and we persevere and don't give up. So maybe the Lord has you in the marketplace and you're interacting with mostly unbelieving coworkers, that's an assignment. That's a place where you have been sent from the Lord yes, yes. and you're to take that assignment seriously. That's the takeaway from last weekend. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Take the assignment of your children seriously. They are your disciples. Maybe you're in ministry. Maybe you're over here across the city serving the poor, whatever it is. Take your assignment seriously. Lean into it. We do the Sermon on the Mount. We live humble lives before the Lord. We don't give up. We don't give in to despair and discouragement and loneliness. We don't give in to what the enemy is trying to throw at us, those fiery darts, man, that he is aiming at your heart and your life. We do not give in to those. And we rise up and we say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus to use me to help build his kingdom and advance his purposes in the earth. Yeah, if I had to sum it up, if I had to, it would be love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, if I had to sum it up. A that's, wise man once said that. That's what I would, I got that from someone else, but 
love Jesus. Go, I'm not that great at it. We focus on that and we love our neighbor as ourselves, so which is in our family and the people we're working with and serving next to. We love them and bring the love of God. If we do those two things, we're doing it. Powerful. I love it. Let's have our worship team come out. We're going to just take a few moments and, and wait on the Lord together as a spiritual family. I want to invite you to stand wherever you're at if you'd like to. We bring service to a close here. Well, I appreciate you guys doing these podcasts on Wednesday because you're going to unpack more and more of this. Because again, we made about five points real fast without connecting them well. There's about 25 points to make. I mean, we need a year to just talk about this here and there. Not every meeting, but here and there to just unpack it so we can go forward together. And those will begin on uh, May 12th. Those will begin again May 12th. Well, I want to pray this over us, Luke 4.18. And what has been striking me from this is that Jesus is praying. He's in this Trinitarian conversation where we see the power, the conversation of the Godhead. The Lord is the Father. It says that the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And the Father has anointed the Son with the Holy Spirit and with power to make known his fame in the earth, to release people that are in captive, that are captives, to, re, to bring liberty to those who are oppressed and oppressed of the evil one, oppressed of Satan. And I had a dream last night, and in the dream, I saw Jesus. And he wasn't really clear, but I knew it was him. And I saw a bunch of people in our community, our spiritual family, this big gathering of people that were all standing. And I saw Jesus walking around and he's laying his hand, hi babe, he's laying his hand on different ones in our spiritual family and he's praying Luke 4.18 over them. And I believe that's a word to this house that the Lord would release the anointing of Christ, Jesus, who is presently, by the way, anointed to set captives free right now. That is, that's not 2,000 years ago in Nazareth. That's today, Jesus is anointed over your life to set you free, to deliver you from the bondage of sin, to deliver you from the bondage of addiction, to deliver you from the bondage of infirmity and sickness and emotional brokenness and spiritual brokenness. The Lord, our Christ, is anointed to deliver you today. So I'm gonna pray that in just a moment. But. Yeah, the ovaries word keeps coming back up, but there was Hello. somebody that um, texted a friend from who was watching online and two days from now, she's supposed to have a surgery. And so I, we just wanna stand with her and pray again. And anyone else that needs to receive healing specifically in that area for your ovaries and for healing. And she, this lady's in excruciating pain, but I just believe that that was from the Lord because he does want to heal and he wants to stretch out his hand today in this moment to Amen. heal. Amen, if you'd like to receive prayer for that, just raise up your hand wherever you're at. If you're online, just put that into the chat to pray. We wanna stand right now with our sisters that the Lord would release healing power in this area. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the anointed one. Just put your hand on someone's shoulder that has their hand raised. Let's not let anyone be alone. Jesus, you are anointed to yes, heal. Lord. Lord, we ask that you would stretch out your hand now to heal. Lord, look upon the threats of the enemy. Stretch out your hand to heal. Jesus, we ask for those online watching, Lord, that in two days when the surgery is scheduled, that there would not need to be a surgery. Lord, we ask you for the pain to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for a restoration for the womb, for the ovaries. Lord, I ask that you would breathe your life over the women right now, Lord, we speak joy. We speak a season of joy, Lord, where there's been pain. We speak restoration and healing in the name of Jesus. This Luke 4.18 word 
one of the aspects of it has to do with healing. And if you need healing in your body, we want to invite you to come forward this morning. We're going to have our ministry team ready to pray with you. If you need physical healing, go ahead and come up to the front and stand on these ministry lines right here. Also, if you need emotional healing, there's something in your life. There's a broken relationship. You know, Jesus says that the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him to preach the gospel. And guess what? The first thing that is highlighted is to heal the brokenhearted. See, when you hear the good news of Christ's gospel, when you see the power of God, one of the first things that comes to the surface is the brokenness of our hearts. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the first things that comes. And the Lord is in the business of healing the broken hearts, of restoring our pasts, of healing wounds that we've experienced through family members and friends, the feelings of betrayal, where we've been accused, where we've been mistreated, where our families are not all walking with the Lord and we feel the pain of it. Mothers whose children that they've been praying for and contending for and they have a broken heart because their children are not yet walking with the Lord. If that's you, we wanna invite you to come forward this morning. Today is 418. And I don't know the significance of a calendar date, but I know the significance of Jesus, the anointed one, that can release healing power today and restore that which the enemy has stolen and that which has been lost. Just wanna invite you to just move forward just a little bit. If you, if you can hear me and you're down at the front, just take two little steps forward as more are coming to the front. We're gonna need more of our ministry team. If you're a friendship group leader, a zone pastor, you lead in the mission space, please come to the front right now. Just begin to lay hands on a few up here. We could really use your help. As the team leads us, I'm just gonna pray this passage over us. The Spirit of the Lord is on you, Jesus. That's where we're looking right now. We look to Christ. We look at the crucified Lamb. We look at him who's seated on the throne in power. The spirit of the Lord is upon you, Jesus, as a man. You have been anointed to preach to us the good news of your father. You have been sent, Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted. You've been sent this morning to Forerunner Church and our spiritual family online to heal the brokenhearted, to heal bodies to restore marriages, to restore families, to restore friendships that have been broken and damaged. You've been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom for every captive heart, freedom for the one that is bound in shame, freedom for the one that is bound in self-hatred, freedom for the one who is bound today, liberty. You have been sent to recovery, to release recovery and sight to the blind, that you would open blind eyes, that you would open the physical blind eyes, those that are battling glaucoma, those that are battling, Lord, poor vision and eyesight, those that are actually blind in one eye or both eyes. Lord, release your healing power today. Release your healing power. Correct the vision of children today. Those little children who have poor vision, Lord, touch them with power today in the name of Jesus. You came to bring sight to our spiritual eyes, that we would have eyes to behold you, the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts, that you would set at liberty everyone that is oppressed. If there's a spirit of oppression, depression resting on you, if you are afflicted, by demonic dreams and accusation, if you're afflicted by spirits and there are voices in your head, Father, release liberty to those that are oppressed of the evil one now. Now, this is why you came. This is why you came. Release your healing anointing. Release your power for the oppressed. Set hearts free from the oppression of addiction and the pains of life and the disappointments of life. Let them be washed away. Let every foul spirit bow its knee to the name of Jesus.
We look at Calvary. We plead the blood of Christ over every mind, over every heart, over every body. We plead your precious blood, your blood, blood that breaks chains, that delivers captives, that breaks down the doors of Hades, that breaks down the power of unbelief. Your blood, the blood of Jesus, we cry out to you, Lord.
the night, but you have a difficult time sleeping, you're tormented or you're awake, but you know that you have an inheritance in a dream life connected to a prophetic spirit. If that's you, just raise up your hand. We wanna pray for you. Just raise up your hand if that's you. If you see someone with their hand raised, just gather around, just one or two, just lay a hand gently on their shoulder. Right there, Sam, Lord, get, somebody get a hand on him. Right here in this aisle, just a couple of you slip around, put your hand on Eric. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for the power of your spirit to touch those, to rest at night. They have an inheritance in dreams and prophetic revelation that is being stolen. We ask that you would break the power of the oppressor over their life now. We ask for a great and mighty deliverance to wash over them and that you would give them a peace, not as the world gives, but as you give. You give your children rest. You cause us to lay down, to rest before you. You release dreams and visions and angelic encounters and visitations in the night. You're the God that speaks to us at our most vulnerable time when we're asleep. Father, we ask for the breakthrough of heaven. We ask that you would rebuke every spirit of torment, every spirit of fear, every spirit of insomnia. We ask that you would break its power in the name of Jesus and that you would release your inheritance to your people, that you would open up their ear as you do with your servant. Scripture says of Jesus that the Father awakened him morning by morning in Isaiah 50. Morning by morning that we would wake up in the presence of the Lord. That you would break off those feelings of anxiety or depression in those first few moments of waking up in the morning. That there would be restful sleep. That there would be sound slumber. That bodies would be re-energized at night. That you would release your anointing that the moments and anointing of waking up would be a, a time of praise and thanksgiving and a nearness, not an anxiety and a regret and pain. Father, release your power. Restore that which the enemy has stolen. Pour out your spirit. Father, pour it out in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we ask you to cut off torment in the night. Surpasses all understanding. You say, Peace be within the walls of your home. We plead your blood over them in the night. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Over our families, over those in the spiritual family. We plead your blood. We cry out. Around them as they sleep at night. You sleep and wake. 
sweet.